past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Hello and welcome to The Career Confidant. We're glad you're joining us here today. And you are going to be glad you're joining us because today we have a guest, Steve Cahan, who is a startup expert and in fact just wrote a book called Be a Startup Superstar. So Steve, thanks for joining us. You bet. Yeah. So, you know, it's interesting because I used to live in startup city in Fort Collins, Colorado, and um, actually just moved to Salt Lake City, which is also a hotbed for technology startups. And one of the things I often hear from job seekers or people who are thinking about making a shift into startups are all of these maybe myths, maybe realities about working for a startup. And I'm excited to have you help us unpack some of that today. I'm looking forward to doing just that. So you have worked in the corporate world, and then you made the shift into corporate, which is a challenging transition. I've worked with a lot of people that wanted to make that transition. And, um, you know, it's kind of hard to, to convince a startup that you have what you need when you've been working at a Fortune 500. So tell us a little bit about how you made the leap. Well, for me, I made the leap early in my career. And so to understand that leap is to take a step back. And so for me, what I found was that the traditional path of school to climbing the corporate ladder can not only be high risk for my career, it can almost feel like a death trap. And all I can remember is my father, like so many other fathers, used to tell me when I was growing up, he'd say, Steve, get a degree, go to work for a large corporation, you work hard, they'll take care of you, and you'll have a great career. Of course, he would also say that your mother and I would much prefer you become a doctor or a lawyer, but getting a job at a large corporation will do. So that was the path I took. And I remember about a year and a half in, I opened up my bank statement. I was down to $50 in my bank account. I was 22 years old. I worked in a cubicle on the fourth floor of a nondescript office building in Schaumburg, Illinois. And I was staring at my bank statement and the pile of claims I was supposed to process that day, wondering how on earth will I ever get ahead? And I worked long days and the student loans would take a hold of my paycheck before they'd ever get a chance to hit my bank account. So I asked myself a question. It was, how do I earn a great living doing what I love? And I quickly understood that I needed to make the leap to the startup world and I made all the mistakes in the world to, to find my first job at a startup, uh, but I uh, got lucky and, and found one, and in three years in, that, that company was public. Okay. So that transition for you was earlier in your career and um, really gave you the opportunity to get started not necessarily, you know, always on the ground floor, but to get started more on the ground floor where you could help a, a company grow. Now, it's interesting because you said that there, you know, you made all the mistakes and um, we're going to talk a little bit about that transition. But before we do that, let's talk a little bit about um, some of the things that might hold people back from going to a startup. So, you know, you said, why why would you work at a at a startup instead of a Fortune 500? What are some of the perks yeah, so I guess, um, first, you really got to compare them. And in my experience, uh, that what I saw was that oftentimes large corporations are burdened with incumbent mindsets. You are oftentimes pigeonholed into a smaller, well-defined role. Uh, barriers to advancement could be higher. And a lot of the large corporations, they're almost like giant ships. They're hard to maneuver, they're slow to change course, there tends to be more acceptance of the status quo and bureaucracy. And compare that to startups is while the, the large corporations are like giant ships, startups in many ways, they are speedboats that are darting around the giant ships. 
there tends to be more innovation. They move fast. They're nimble. Where you have a startup mentality, uh, there's a better chance to get it to the to the C-suite, and there's great versatility in the role that you typically have. Uh, just because um, when you're when you get hired at a large corporation, you fill that role. At a startup, you get the opportunity to wear many hats filling different roles, oftentimes within various departments. And so what I found is that if you're entrepreneurial, uh, that uh, a startup environment is absolutely the place that, uh, that you want to be. So let's talk a little bit about some of the negatives that people hear about and what's true and what's not true in terms of, you know, they don't pay as well, they don't have as good of benefits, um, you know, it, they work. You work all the time. What's what are some of those negatives? What's the reality around some of those? Well, I think that um, so. One of the big negatives that you often hear is uh, because you're working very hard, and that is without question true. Is that there that there tends to be? And I actually heard this phrase the other day: poor work life harmony. Um, and I like that phrase because I'm just a big believer that when you almost view it as work-life balance, that, that it almost suggests that there's a perfect balance, and I don't think that that's the case. And so what I found at startups, at least for me, is that there absolutely are ways to, uh, to defend against what is perceived to be some of the, the biggest negatives. And I think... Um, that one of the, the biggest ways to do that is to put yourself first by protecting your calendar and be your own top priority. And, and I would offer up for listeners right now that if the most important item on your calendar is not you, that, that you could be in trouble. And, and really the question is, does your calendar reflect this? To go ahead and open your calendar right now and check to see how many appointments you have with yourself this week. And I'll bet you there's too few. And so what I've learned is that if you sort of be your own top priority, that you actually schedule time for yourself, for your family, for your workouts, to be home for dinner, for example, uh, uh, a few days a week, and you proactively defend your calendar, that one of the the biggest negatives associated oftentimes with startups can be immensely uh, reduced. Right, and it's not going to... I was having this conversation with the employee, a big company employee, that, you know, the idea around the more you work, the more promotion opportunities you have. That's such a false belief. In fact, a lot of research has shown that people that take their vacation are more likely to get the promotions, et cetera. So um, there may be some other other false beliefs wrapped up in that decision-making that people are doing around their calendar. Absolutely. And then I also think beyond that, in many ways what it comes down to is also being able to select the right startup. And when you do that, uh, you, and you could separate, most uh, startup CEOs have good stories. And the challenge is, is how do you select the winners versus the ones that just have good stories? And what I've learned, having now been at six startup companies and now a seventh, all of which have successfully sold and gone public, uh, generating over $3 billion in shareholder value, that there's a few things that I look for that I think it helped reduce risk associated with that decision. For example, you typically would see at a startup it's a smaller team, and you're going to be with them a lot. And so I look first, are there quality people who share share my values? So the people reflect the company's culture, and if you don't think you can respect, trust, and admire the, the small, typically small numbers of people that are involved, move on to the next one. Another thing that I look for is that the concept fills a big market need and that buyers don't buy nice-to-solve problems. They buy must-solve problems. And so if you do your research to see what the influencers are saying about the size of the market, 
don't worry if you see there's lots of competition. Actually, competition means there's a market. Worry if you don't see competition. And then ask the right questions to find out if the startup is well-funded. And what you're looking for is to make sure that the company has a long enough runway to get off the ground and that it's properly capitalized so you have the best chance for growth and stability. Okay. Yeah, so you're looking for both a cultural fit, if you will, in terms of the people that you're working with, and then understanding the funding mechanisms and where are they at in that process, and um, how much risk are you willing to take? Exactly. And then have you found the ideas, I I don't know, I don't necessarily want to call them myths because they may be true to some extent, but around, you know, lack of benefits, lack of competitive pay, are there truths to those statements around startups? Well, if you're getting in a startup and it's absolutely the the complete ground floor, right? Um, You know, I oftentimes recommend people who are looking at a startup, that that's probably not the, the scenario that, 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 many, that would work for many people. And so really what I look for, what I call sort of the, the, the next stage. So these are companies that are funded that they will um, typically offer competitive pay, but, but here's what I found as it relates to competitive pay and benefits and so on. So... For me, what I've learned is that as I've moved my career forward and I've had the opportunity to make more and more money, right? And so at the same time, you're, you start to have a family, you, your expenses tend to go up, and you, you find a funny uh, sort of uh, situation that you could find yourself in where you are spending as much as you're bringing in, no matter how hard you try and you, even if you're making more money. Where I have gotten ahead is really betting on myself and getting into startups where they offer stock options. And that is where you can make the quantum leaps. So even if the pay is, is uh, less than, uh, uh, say, a Fortune 500 corporation, the ultimate outcome, uh, if you're in the right company, could be huge. Yeah, and that's, again, that risk factor, right, that you may be uh, not as high in salary or definitely not have the stability, although I always laugh. You know, I used to work with people that were at HP, Hewlett-Packard, and Fort Collins, and uh, people would say, oh, you know, it's so stable. I'm scared to move into a startup. And I thought, they just laid off 50 people yesterday. How is that stability? So sometimes we fool ourselves about the stability of a bigger company as well. Absolutely. And I, I found by choosing, by going back to those criteria that I suggested prior, that you can get pretty good at, at selecting startups that if you use those criteria, you ask the right questions when you're selecting that startup that you, you, you can really minimize the risk. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about the job search and how you actually get into a startup. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. You hear about it all the time. 
compromises, destructive malware, major breaches. You can't turn on the news without hearing about the latest cyber event. Learn more about cybersecurity, how it has become one of the most significant threats to our national security, and the battle experts undergo every day on your behalf to protect you, your families, and your data. Task Force 7 Radio with host George Redis is the voice of cybersecurity around the world. Tune in live every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. If you're an entrepreneur, you want to focus on the big picture. But a growing business requires compliance, regulations, tax issues, and more. Listen to Candy Messer and Biz Help for You. Our program takes the guesswork out of the equation in order to give you the answers and peace of mind. From payroll to labor laws to entrepreneurial tips, you'll find something new with each week's episode. Biz Help for You can be heard every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Hello and welcome back to The Career Confidant. And today we are talking with Steve Gahan who has written a book about how to be a startup superstar. And we talked a little bit about what a startup looks like and what working there looks like and how to ask the right questions to know if it's a good place for you. And Steve, now we're going to dive a little bit into the job search. So you said that you made all the mistakes in making the transition from a large corporation to the startup. Tell me a little bit about what what some of those mistakes were and, and what job seekers can steer away from if they're looking to work in a startup. Right. So in my first choice of a startup, it was really trial and error. So I applied for a job out of the blue just the same way you would envision someone just almost literally seeing an ad. And um, and it turned out it was it was a good company. But when I started on my first day, what I remember is that I was looking at the office next to mine, and there were people unplugging the copy machine, putting it on a dolly, and literally rolling it right out of the office. And I came to find out a few days later is because the company can no longer afford to pay for that copy machine. But I was blind to it. I was so pumped and excited to work with a small team of crazies, hell-bent on changing the world, uh, changing the way, at least at that time, the way applications were being developed. And so for me, it was without question trial and error. And so here are a couple of a couple of uh, uh, thoughts that I would uh, give your listeners to to find uh, a really cool job. And the first thing that I would say would be engage with startup leaders online. And this could be done via uh, LinkedIn. So, for example, I've had a number of people that have reached out to me over the years in a with a very well-written, specialized, private connection, maybe in response to a post I've made. And really what you've got to do is you've got to do your homework about the industry, the person you're connecting and their role in it, and, and engage in a very serious matter or manner. And to realize that you're connecting with busy executives who probably receive a lot of messages like this, so don't get discouraged if you don't get a ton of responses. But what you'll find is that if you go directly to these uh, two executives in a sincere way and ask for some advice, what you'll find is most people realize there are many others that have helped them to achieve the success that they have, and they want to be able to give back. I certainly do, and they want to be able to pay it pay it forward. And so going directly to executives uh, that, that I found via LinkedIn, who, who are oftentimes the hiring manager in a way where you just want to be able to get some advice about 
following in the same career path and tips and, uh, that they might have for you. And then you could bridge the conversation to you where you start to talk a little bit about yourself and the ideal role. And that gives that engagement is very direct. It's not overly salesy in any way. And you're right in, right? And so going right to the, the, the hiring manager or executive in that way certainly has worked with me and it's something that I recommend that people do uh, when you're looking when you're looking for a role. And I also think another uh, oftentimes uh, not necessarily thought of manner is that there are a number of technology or startup accelerators. And accelerators are sometimes they're known as seed accelerators are application-only programs that provide capital, mentorship, and educational opportunities to uh, startup companies. And so a lot of these accelerators uh, exist in virtually every major city in the United States. And the portfolio companies that are a part of that accelerator post their jobs right there. So you're not going to find a startup, for example, going on campus and recruiting. They they can't afford it. The company I'm with right now uh, called Piconic, uh, this is a company that's located in Washington, D.C. We're not going to go to Lawrence, Kansas, for example, to go recruit. And yet there are um, these great accelerators. There's over 46,000 venture-backed startups in the United States alone, and many of whom are desperate for hiring. And so... If you go to Google, you, you Google accelerators in major cities, the city in which you live, you will find a number of opportunities across all spectrums, sales, marketing, HR, R&D, you name it, those jobs are often posted there. Yeah, those accelerators can be a great opportunity to network, too. I mean, our, the one that I was familiar with, they had monthly events where there are people talking and about certain things and you could always go and network. So there's opportunities within the, that network to perhaps do some in-person networking in addition to the LinkedIn opportunity that you mentioned, which is true, you know, following people, commenting, engaging in some way first, and then sending them that message to make the connection. It's always great if you can do that connecting piece first where you're commenting on their article or sharing it or doing whatever might do to, to engage first and then when you send that message they go oh yeah I remember that person has been connecting with me um, then in a way that is engaging exactly and and so long as you're sincere in that engagement uh, you'll find that those connections are easier to make many people are intimidated that they think, well, gee, I, I, I can't contact that person. And really, they can and really and should. Right. Yeah. And it, everybody's an adult, right? They get to decide if they're going to respond or not and how they respond. And we can make it too much and be too overly sensitive about how they're going to react. And it's we have to be thoughtful and, as, as you said, sincere, but if we start second-guessing everything, then we're in trouble. Right. So what are, maybe what are one or two pieces of advice the, that you would give someone who's looking to get into the startup world? Where should they start? How could they make that their path? So if you decide that you want to you wanna make it your path, I think, you know, where you start We've covered about different places that you would look for a startup. We covered what separates a, a good startup versus a startup that might not be so good. And so, you know, my sense is really I would look at it from two different perspectives. The first of which is what are some of the experiences that make you a standout startup candidate? And so let me, let me uh, explain how I view that and then I'll go into maybe some questions that you ought to ask when considering a startup's potential. And those are some things that, uh, some questions that people rarely think about. So first, what, what might make you a uh, standout candidate at a startup? So 
it starts, in my view, with people who embrace accountability to get things done. And so, at a startup, you, you can't hide, and and so you you've got to be you've got to be accountable. People who communicate in thoughtful, smart, confident, and respectful ways uh, catch my eye. And people who ask questions, I think a good startup candidate is someone who is not an I person, and by that I mean someone who takes all the credit, but someone who very much is turned on by being a we person, which is all about uh, the success of the, the team and aligning with that small team to go change the world. I think people uh, who are prepared to work hard because at a startup, there are going to be constant obstacles. You can't get dissuaded when you run, run, run into them and there is no easy button. And so I think people have persistence and tenacity. Uh, those are the characteristics that I see that make a, a great standout candidate. And then if you're going to get into a startup, I found that there are some amazingly great questions that you could ask to cut through, not only differentiate yourself, but learn so much. And I want to give your listeners a shortcut to what some of those questions might be. So let me give a few. Okay. Uh, question, number, question number one, why is now the time for your company to exist? Another question, what do you love about your team and why are you the ones to solve this problem? Another one, tell us about your first paying customer and the revenue expectations over, over the next year. Another one, how much has the company raised and what's its runway? Who are your investors and why did you choose them? And this one I really love. If you weren't building your startup, what would you be doing? I think if you ask questions like that, uh, it really elicits amazing amount of information about that company and the people and the values that they have that will help you make a great decision. Yeah, those are great questions. And they show that understanding of the, the startup environment as well as, of course, the interest in picking at the the market and, and really understanding what the company is about before you jump in. Absolutely. So important. And a lot of times people go into that scenario just more focused in how can I do everything that I need to do to best position myself to get the job. And of course you've got to do that. But oftentimes if you end up maybe talking a little bit less and asking more questions like that, it's key. And then one other thing I would offer up is that, you know, so many of us have memorized elevator pitches for the companies that we work for, but we don't have an elevator pitch for ourselves. And startup executives who are hiring, they want to know why you, and they want to know it in the first 60 seconds. So think about your own elevator pitch and what sets you apart. Uh, that uh, that makes you uh, a great candidate and come up with your own elevator pitch that, that uniquely communicates the value that you have to offer. Right, and also connects you to that company or that industry. You've got to be able to not just say why you, but why you there, right? What are those connection points? How do you how do you align with their purpose, their passion, whatever it is? Because typically startups have some driving factor and if we can connect ourselves to that, it really makes more of a difference to the to the person sitting across the other side of the table. Yes, totally agree. So how can people find you, Steve? How can they get the book? Well, they could find me at beastartupsuperstar.com, and they can find my book there as well. My book's available wherever books are sold online. And essentially, uh, Be a Startup Superstar covers three topics. It covers why choose a startup over a large corporation, Secondly, how to find and select the best startups. And then third, 
what I've learned over many years working with hundreds of amazingly smart and talented startup entrepreneurs is that I've grouped under what I call seven keys to the C-suite. Once you've decided to choose a startup, 35 actions, attitudes, and behaviors one can take to maximize uh, your success. It's, it's a quick read, and it's a lot of good how-to information that could be immediately translated into action. Excellent. Well, that's such a great resource, and thank you for sharing your insights with us here today. And um, the, web, the website is BeAStartupSuperstar.com? Yes, it is. Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And if you're listening here on The Career Confidant, I'll be back. But we're going to say goodbye to Steve. And again, thank you so much for sharing your, your expertise. We'll be right back here on The Career Confidant. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking with Steve Cahan about how to transition into a startup. And i got to tell you, most of the people that I worked with who were transitioning into startups were mid to late career, um, maybe were being laid off by a big company like Hewlett Packard, or wanted to get out themselves before the writing was on the wall. Um and wanted to take control of that transition. And one of the areas that I saw, I saw them, them stumble occasionally was this idea that, oh, I've been at a big business, so of course I can help a startup grow. And that doesn't always translate to a startup. A startup sees that a big business person has always had certain level of support, resources, and and even though there may have been some startup elements within your job, it is a lot different than being on that ground floor with a, a startup. And so what a lot of them did was joined the local incubator as advisors, working on the board of a startup, um, giving away some free help so that they could get their feet wet and see what the differences were, see what the challenges are. And then you have a lot more credibility to sit in an interview and talk to me about your knowledge of business and and knowledge of startups when you've at least had some experience with an actual real kind of startup from the ground type of startup. And that it just is so much different than being within a big business, even if you were 
you know, in charge of a, a spinoff or a, a startup within that big business, the, the differences are quite large. However, you do have a story to tell and you have the skills that you need and how you translate those is really going to help you make that impact in, in an interview. And how do you show that you can take initiative? How do you show that maybe you did it or tell stories that you did it without the big business support that it may be assumed that you had working at a big business? How did those transitions really fit into the startup mentality? And if you've been hanging around and talking to people that are, are in that world, then you'll have that, that language and know how to tell those stories in a, way, in a way that connects. I saw people stumble when they hadn't done their research, hadn't really been hanging out in the startup in- industry in groups that much. And so they'd try to tell those startup stories from the big business perspective and just miss the mark, just not connect with the real pains of a startup. And of course, asking the questions and really doing your research to understand where is the the company at at the in the startup world. And if you've never been in the startup world, you might not know what that means, what that sounds like, what's Series A, Series B, what types of fundings, what does that mean? And doing your research, reading up on it, networking, hanging out with people, and and getting that understanding. This whole idea of stability as a challenge for a lot of people to overcome in their in their minds and many times when I worked with individuals who were making that transition into the startup world they had savings and or they were um, actually retired so financially were getting retirement from the company that they were leaving negotiating severance there's a lot of different ways that people set themselves up financially to be able to take that risk and move into a startup one of the other ways that you can do it is is start living on a lower salary saving that money aside so then you're one practicing to live on a lower salary should the startup have a lower salary and two putting that savings aside so that you have something should the startup up not work out and it can be more volatile in terms of the employment and and hiring laying off but not necessarily it may offer less benefits it may offer better benefits it all depends on the real size of the startup where they're at in their development as a company and what the values and negotiating skills are of the the leaders within that organization. Um, my my husband has worked at companies that were small, had fifty people that had excellent benefits, and at huge companies where you would expect them to have bit great benefits that they really don't. So, does the size doesn't always de- define some of those? areas that you might be concerned about. Know what they are, know what you're looking for, and ask the the questions at an appropriate time to figure out what that looks like. And when we're thinking about that job search, you know, he talked about finding the leaders of startups. Oftentimes we can get enamored with maybe the big name startups that we hear about. And I'd encourage you to peel back the onion a little bit and look for those startups that may not be the ones that you're hearing about in the news all the time. Look at your local paper, that's a great place, your local business journal, who is in the news, What? who's growing, what are they doing, That that's a good place to start. Going to those local incubator meetings or meetups, sometimes they're not as formal, so they might just be a, a local meetup or pitch meetings. Go to those meetings, in, engage with the people. And some of my other colleagues that are big in this space go to angel funding events where people are, are pitching and there's funding going on, but you could be there to network and listen and, and hear what's going on in the startup world in your neck of the woods. Local business journals typically also have a book of lists. Go to the library, ask your local librarian, and in that book of lists, what you'll often find is a list of the top 100 fastest growing companies. 
this will peel back into some of the companies that may be smaller, all different sizes, and sometimes the lists are broken up by size. And maybe not in the news all the time, but they're growing, they're doing well, and you can find them in that book of lists. You can start connecting to some of those leaders, some of those decision makers, and doing the engagement pieces that Steve was talking about. Um, Jordan Paris on the show a few months ago was also talking about that in terms of getting on a podcast, right? Instead of pitching someone right away that you want to work for them or that you want to be on their podcast, whatever it might be, you can connect, get some conversation going, comment on their articles, get that known factor out of the way and then send a message to connect with them. You can connect over the phone, you can connect in person if you're local, that's always great. And you don't want this to be a pitch fest. This isn't where you're walking in looking to work for the person or you know, sell them your services as a freelance marketer, whatever it might be. It's got to be a more exploratory conversation learning about their company, learning about their journey, learning about the startup industry in your area, whatever it might be that you take that learning, open approach to understanding what's going on before you would even, it would even be appropriate for you to pitch anything anyways. And when you take that approach, it's much, much nicer to have a, a conversation. The other consideration as you're looking in the startup space is that we tend to get a little bit overly focused on tech startups because those are the um, the people that we are perhaps in a little bit of hero worship in, in our culture, especially in the U.S., the Steve Jobs and Bill Gates and the people that are in those tech startups. That's great if you want to be in tech or if you have that tech background. However, there are a lot of startups that aren't in that space that are just as much in need of people and perhaps even more stable, more lucrative. I don't know. We're talking web design, maybe kind of fall in the middle of the road there. Um, it's sort of technical, but it's not necessarily a startup. The Small Business Development Center um, the gentleman there and I were always chatting about this, you know, the service-based businesses. There's so many other types of businesses than just the tech and we're developing a new technology types of businesses where there's opportunity. So another great resource for you in your community would be your small business development center. Sometimes they're called the SCORE, um, but it's a federal program for small business development SCORE looking up those types of offices, supports, events. In Fort Collins, ours was associated with the local community college. Go in and search those out. Maybe even a good place to start with your local chamber of commerce and what they know about the startup industry in your location and uh, the small business development opportunities. A lot of Individuals that I knew that were in transition also would volunteer at the Small Business Development Center as coaches or teaching trainings to get that opportunity to connect with small business, whether they were thinking about starting their own business or wanting to work for a small business. It gave them the opportunity to immerse themselves in that in that mentality because it is different, especially if you're transitioning out of the corporate world to understand that world and their pains and be able to con connect at that level, hanging them around, hanging around them, going to some of the classes and really understanding what they're going through is going to be important. The other piece when you're, you know, maybe you're interviewing with a startup or you're trying to connect with some of those uh, startup leaders is to really connect with why that company why that industry, why that type of technology or that type of service? What is it that provides that connection point for you? And not everyone's gonna be purpose-driven, sh shall we say, or really connect with every 
aspect of, of the industry. But the more that you can make those connections, the better. Even better, perhaps, is to ask great questions, and Steve shared a few of them, to really understand why the company is in that market. Why them? Why is right now the best time to be in that market? Why, why are they getting into it? Why are they driven to solve those problems? And as you're reading the bios of the leaders, those might be pieces that are already shared in there, and you can build off that and ask questions that take it to the next level. Probably one of the worst things you can do in an interview, especially with someone who is driven by their company and and trying to get their brand out there, is to ask questions that you could obviously answer by reading their website or their LinkedIn profile. So make sure that you've done those things, you've read that information, and that you're asking questions that take it one step deeper and really dive into what is important about this to that individual. In startups, I've worked with a lot of people that have been in startups. As Steve was saying, you get the opportunity to advance quickly sometimes. So it's not just about understanding how to get hired, but also understanding where are you going and what are you going to add to that startup at the next phase? Where, what's the next step look like? And that happens quicker in a startup than it does in another organization. And if you aren't directing it, if you aren't shaping it, it may not go the way you want it to go. So as you're thinking about working in that startup world, and even as you start to job search, just like you would in any other job search, but at a little bit deeper level, what are those skill sets that you want to use? What are your strengths? If you're going to wear four or five hats in this startup, what are those four or five hats going to be? And what are they not going to be? And how can you look for a place where you can get support to not have to wear those hats that not are not a good fit for you and connect the dots that, that work for you but have the opportunity to somehow get support in, in doing those things that aren't your strengths. That's where that burnout can really come. Steve was talking about burnout in terms of work-life harmony. I tend to say work-life integration. Harmony to me is also kind of a judgment of <laughs> there's a right way to do this. Work-life integration is messy. It's it's always changing. And that's going to be more true for a startup. And if you understand what you want to do where your fuel is and that's the strength right a strength is not just something you're good at it's something that fuels your fire it's something that makes you more excited to to keep working you lose track of time and so if you're working more in your strength areas it's going to be easy for you to ebb and flow when you do need to work more Uh, Of course, you do want to manage your own time and your own calendar, but there are going to be those times, just like at any job, where you're working more. And if we're able to craft our positions, especially in a startup, towards doing more of those things that are our strengths, that won't be so draining. It won't be that feeling of, uh, I'm giving this everything I have, because no, we're, we're paying attention to our own energy and how we can manage that. So when we're going through our decision-making, we're going through this process of what is going to be a good fit for me and where do I want to go next? You're looking at your risk tolerance, if you will, similar to what your financial advisor might talk to you about and going to talk to your financial advisor when you're thinking about making a career transition of any kind is a good idea. And perhaps even more so when you're thinking about going to a startup, what's the risk? What are those risks? perhaps a lower salary, perhaps less benefits. Don't get too stuck on those. Ask at the appropriate time, which is going to be after you get an offer. And then you can ask about those. But don't assume that they're going to be bad just because it's a startup. Perhaps less stability and the the company might lose its funding. The company may need to downsize. uh, And that's possible, but you can ask some of those questions that really figure that out in the interview what does their funding look like do you under, do you the interviewee understand the market and, and you can ask some questions around that but then you're also doing your own research 
you might get stock options. So there might be an upside that you don't have with another business. And that's where you're trying to weigh the pros and cons. How much time do you have left in your career? How much do you already have in your retirement savings? Um, How much do you have in liquid savings so that if you get laid off, you could make it for a while until you get a new job? Is this startup experience going to make you more marketable to get to that next thing or less? And how do you know that? How can you do that research? Look at the path a little bit further out than just that next step and figure out how those opportunities are all going to go together. It's really not that much different than going back and and getting some kind of education. We always want to be asking those questions. How does this add value to the next employer, not just this one that I'm applying with today? and putting all of those pieces together so that I understand how big of a risk this really is. Sometimes it might be a risk and sometimes it feels like a risk and that's the challenge that we're always having with ourselves is does this feel like a huge risk because it actually is or does this feel like a huge risk because it's a little bit outside of my comfort zone and with some risk can come bigger reward with no risk, maybe no reward, not just in terms of finances, but in terms of getting to do what you want to do, getting to use your talents, getting to have the opportunity to shift and change or advance, whatever it might be that you're looking for. And if you're feeling stuck, oftentimes we're stuck in that pattern of not wanting to take any risks to get unstuck and therefore continuing the actual risk of being stuck and to realize that there's that there's actually a risk to not doing anything just as there's a risk to trying something new and how can you weigh those pros and cons to get you where you want to go in your career and maybe your 2020 New Year's resolution, although I'm not a huge fan of New Year's resolutions, 80% of them fail. So it's more of that goal and lifestyle and really thinking about how can you make whatever it is that you want in your career a reality in the next decade. A lot of stuff out there right now, right? We're almost at the end of the decade and uh, hadn't really registered with me that that was where we were headed, but How can you make those changes and realize that each step may be a risk, but not taking a step is also a risk, the risk of never never getting to where you want to go, never getting out of the corporate grind or whatever it might be. So I hope you'll check out Steve's book, How to Be a Start be a startup superstar, be a startup superstar.com. And we'll see you right back here again next week on the Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then. Thanks again for listening.